With Feast Week rolling on on both sides of the ball in college basketball, we now shift gears to the women's side of the Big East here on this new edition of the Igloo. And again, because of that whole Thanksgiving week, you know, I obviously, I'm going to take some time away, you know, be with uh, be with my family out in Pennsylvania. And, you know, the crazy thing is, you know, I'll be there only Thursday and Friday. And then I come back Saturday and I, you know, I got some games to work. So, you know, I'm grinding. But obviously, you know, at least I'll take those two days, you know, to really reset the batteries and I guess, you know, sit back, enjoy time of family and also enjoy all these games that are going to be going on. But to talk about what happened last weekend in Big East women's hoops, Marquette suffered their first loss at Colorado, started off pretty evenly matched 15-15 and quickly Colorado went up eight at the break. Marquette was still down seven after three, but Colorado Big fourth quarter, they outscore the Golden Eagles six, uh, 21-12 in the fourth to win 69-53. And for Colorado, a monster effort to lead the way for Maya Hollingshed, the senior with 22 points, 10 boards, 10 of 20 from the floor. I mean, it's a lot of shot attempts, but still 2 of 5 from 3. Dominant night for the forward in 38 minutes of action. And then how about 17 from Jalen Sherrod on 6 of 8 shooting? I mean, those are the two major factors for Colorado. 39 of their 69 came from those two players. Marquette. Leading scorer was Jordan King. The sophomore was 16. 3 of 6 from 3. 6 of 13 from the field. And then 11 points each from Lisa Carlin and Lauren Van Clunen. Van Clunen with 7 boards. Carlin with 8. Van Clunen shot it well. 4 for 8 from the floor. Carlin, on the other hand, 5 for 14 for the floor and really struggled from deep at 0 for 6. As a whole, Mar- both teams really struggled from 3. Marquette was just 25%, 5 for 20. Colorado was just 3 for 17 from 3, which was under 20%. But Marquette, lack of success from the free throw line, they were just 6 for 11, barely over 50%. And Colorado was just under 60%, so not that much better. But the difference maker, Colorado, 28 made field goals on 64 attempts, which was over 40%. Marquette, on the other hand, was under 40 So a tough way for Marquette to go down for their first loss of the season out in Boulder. Other notable non-conference action I want to you know touch on. Butler losing again to Austin. Well, not that they lost Austin P two times in a row, but the fact that they're now 0-4 after losing to Austin P 68-65. And the thing is, Butler was up two after the first quarter, and then the middle two quarters, they got beat up, getting outscored 38 to 23. And this team was down the 38-22. I I added one by accident to the score. So in the in the first and fourth quarters, Butler had the edge 43-30. to But the middle two quarters was where they got beat. And Austin P. yeah, they hung on to win. But Butler, you know, they got to a really sluggish start to the second and third quarters. And it did them in. As Butler fell to 0-4. Leading scorer was Alex Richard, the freshman 17 points, 6 boards, 3 assists, 6 of 9 from the floor. And no other starter was in double figures. But off the bench, though, Trinity White chipped in 10 points on 3 of 5 from the field and 2 of 4 from 3. They got pretty balanced scoring from the starters, though, outside of Richard. 9 each from Kendall Wingler and Tenley Dowell. 7 from Zoe Jackson and 6 from Amelia Sexton, the senior. And then off the bench, they got seven from Selena Taborn. Transfer from Furman. Uh, but for Austin P, you know, they had a balanced effort, but their leading scorer was a major bench contributor, and it was 
Yamiya Johnson with 17 for the Governors. Off the bench, they got 13 from Carly Pace and uh, uh, I should say from the starters. 13 from Pace, 12 from Casey Kidwell, and 10 off the bench from Deshara Booker. So Austin P. they go into Hinkle and win. Butler, they fall to 0-4, and they could be 0-5 as they're currently in action right now, which I'll touch on at the end of the week. Providence suffered another home loss to Boston College, losing 85-73. to And Providence started off really well. They were up 31-27 at the break. But a really sluggish third quarter, getting outscored 30-18, to kind of dooms the Friars. They were so good defensively in the first half, only allowing 27 points. But they gave up 58 in the second half and an 85-73 defeat. Boston College got really balanced scoring. Their leading scorer was Marnell Garrod with 17. And they also got 17 uh, 15, excuse me, from Maria Gokdang and Cameron Swartz. Also 11 from Taylor Sewell. But off the bench, X-Factor in this game was Michaela Dickens with 14. The Eagles, 50% from deep at 9 for 18. Providence made 8 three-pointers, so they held even with them in that rate. But Boston College, they shot better from the floor. And they were able to get to the line more as well as they went. They had 24 trips to the line, made 18 of them. Whereas Providence, 16 foul shots, 13 made. 13 still good out of 16. But again, Boston College, they did enough to go into Alumni Hall and win that game. Meanwhile, by the way, so Butler, I mean, at least they're showing signs of progress because they shot just under 50% from the floor in a losing effort. And they also knocked down 10 threes. So again, signs of encouragement. I mean, I'd be shocked if they started the season losing all five of their first home games of the year. This long homestand to start the year. In a big five matchup, Villanova got a big bounce back win, beating St. Joe's 55-39. to And that was their first win of the year. They started off down 11-8, to but a great quarter in the second and the third propels them to a victory here again 55-39 was the final and it was the Lior Garzon show 26 points 8 of 15 from the floor 1 of 4 from 3 and again the I mean the great thing about this is it's weird that they're doing this without Maddie Segrist Brianna Hurley with 6 points and 12 rebounds, so really picking up the slack on the glass for Segrist. 6 for Bella Runyon, who got the start in this game, and then Lucy Olsen, the freshman, with 7 to go with 4 assists. Hurley also had 4 assists in this game, and Brooke Mullen, Brooke Mullen chipped in a couple points. Major bench contributor Caitlin Orahel, the freshman, 6 points on the day, and Neither team shot the three ball well. And for Nova, they were just 2 for 11 from three. St. John's was just 3 for 11. But Villanova played really good defense. They held the Hawks to just 25% from the floor. Whereas the Wildcats shot 40%. So Villanova, great bounce back win for them. And, you know, they, they played later on in the, you know, of just a... Few, a couple days later, which I'll get to in a second. Sunday action. There were some wild games in this conference over the weekend. Well, this one wasn't. St. John's, they were dead deadlocked with Yale after one, but a big second quarter opens the door for St. John's to go up 13 at the break to go 47-34. Yale was still within 12 going into the fourth, but St. John's pulls away to win by 18, 86-68. And how about the game from Unique Drake? 24 points to lead all scores. 10 for 18 from the floor. 3 for 6 from 3. And they got a lot of great contributions from their other starters. 18 from Danielle Cosgrove. 
14 from Kadeja Bailey, 13 from Camry Clegg. And then off the bench, you got 9 from Sarah Zabrecki and 4 from Danielle Patterson. And St. John's really shot the ball lights out from deep at 14 for 32. 47.8% clip shooting the ball from the floor as a whole. That's what you want if you're St. John's. And again, big win for Joe Tartamella. They beat a team that Providence couldn't. Meanwhile, Yale, they had four players in double figures, including Jenna Clark with 15. Kristen McCann had 14, as well as Camilla Emsbo. They got 11 off the bench from L. Vondermas. So, for the Red Storm, big win for them. They get to 3-1. And another Ivy League Big East showdown. This game was... <laughs> I laugh only because of the fact of what happened the first three quarters and then what happened fourth quarter in overtime. At halftime, Columbia led 22-14. to Low-scoring game. After three quarters, Georgetown scored 15 in the third quarter alone. That was more than they scored in the first half combined. To go up 29-28. We go to overtime, tied at 42. So 84 points combined in regulation. Overtime, there's 38 points scored. And Columbia wins 66-56. to And the wild thing is, you know, Georgetown, again, with 36 seconds, I really hope there wasn't an over-under on this game, but with 36 seconds, okay, all right, see, I didn't see that too. It went to double overtime. See, I looked at the box and it didn't, it didn't split up the overtime scores, but at the end of the first overtime, it was 53-all, but then Columbia outscores Georgetown in the second, 13-3 to win 66-56. So the Lions stay undefeated. Hoyas fall to 2-2. Two two. Big day for Abby, Abby Sue. 18 points, 5 for 14 from 3, 6 for 17 from the field. Carly Rivera chipped in 12. They were the only Lions in double figures. Meanwhile, Georgetown got a really balanced effort. Again, it was mo most mostly from the starters. 14 from Milan Bolden-Morris. 12 each from Grace Ann Bennett and Jillian Archer. Archer had a double-double in this game with 11 rebounds. And Kelsey Ransom scored 11 points to go along with 6 assists. Yasmin out only three points, and then they only got four points combined from the bench. Columbia's bench made a big difference in this game, scoring 18 points. And, you know, that made a difference. Georgetown, again, tough loss to swallow as Columbia comes into D.C. and gets a win to stay undefeated. Xavier finally got in the win column on Sunday with a win over Valpo, 70-49. Big game for Nia Clark, 26 points to lead all scorers. 10 of 18 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 3, and Xavier didn't need to rely on the 3 ball. They only took 9 threes and made 4 of them. And as a whole, they shot 45.5% from the field. And they also out-rebounded Valpo 44-24, holding them to under 40% from the field and 21% from 3. Other notable contributors, Charlotte Beeler with 11, Kai Satterfield, much better game, back in the starting lineup with 10 points and 9 rebounds. 10 off the bench from Michaela Hayes. And as for Valpo, only one player was in double figures in the starters, which was Shea Frederick, and then off the bench they got 12 from Leah Ernest. Big win for Xavier, and that's the kind of confidence win that you need. Just, you know, get in the win column and go from there. So Xavier up to 1-3 and three now. Valpo down to 0-4. Oh in a battle between power conference squads in the state of Illinois, DePaul. 
got off to a really good start against Northwestern. They were up 32-13 after the first quarter. However, Northwestern didn't roll over and die. Because going into the fourth quarter, they took a one-point lead, 55-54. So the middle two quarters, it was 42-22 in favor of the Wildcats. But DePaul, they never wavered. You know, they took... No, the teams exchanged blows. It was a really back-and-forth game up until the final minute. Because DePaul, you know, they got... After after Northwestern tied it at 73 with 52 seconds left, DePaul got some huge plays. Darion Rogers made two free throws. Lexi Held got a free throw to go. Sonia Morris made two, and then Northwestern got a bucket to end the game, but a big win for DePaul to get to 3-1 and one and hand Northwestern their first L of the year, 78-75, and it was Sonia Morris, last year's leading scorer, with 20 points, 9 rebounds, 7-17 from the field, 2-5 of five from 3. Lexi Held with 16 points. To go along with eight assists and four steals. Deja Church had 12. 15 from the freshman Anissa Morrow. And she tallied 17 rebounds also. Meanwhile, Dee Bakelja off the bench with eight huge points in 28 minutes. And as a team, DePaul was very good from the free throw line. It also helps they took 14 more free throws than Northwestern did. 23 for 30 from the line. Compared to just 6 for 16 for Northwestern. Free throws win and lose games, kids. Doesn't matter the level, doesn't matter the doesn't matter if it's men's women's men's or women's basketball. Free throws win and lose your games, kids. For the Wildcats, Jordan Brown, their one of their standout freshmen led them with 16. They got 15 from a senior, Veronica Burton, and 14 from another senior, Courtney Shaw. 13 big points off the bench from freshman Melanie Daly. But DePaul, you know, they tapped in, defended home court, and came out with a big home win to get to 3-1. Meanwhile, Creighton got a good win against a South Dakota State team that has been one of the better mid-major teams in women's basketball over the last few years. Got off to a good start. They led by 8 at halftime. It was 31-23. to and they held the Jackrabbits to just 35 points in the first three quarters, and they went 67-55. Big game for the sophomore Emma Ronziak. 18 points and a rebound away from a double-double. They got 13 from Lauren Jansen, Lauren Jensen, excuse me, and then 11 off the bench from Morgan Maley. They held South Dakota State to just 2 of 13 from 3, whereas Mar- Creighton, they were plus 15 from the three-point line, 7 for 20. And the Creighton's bench was really good in this game. They got 32 points from the bench. That's nearly half the scoring they got, again, from the bench. As for the Jackrabbits, they got 15 to lead the way from Paige Meyer, a freshman and senior. Tylee Irwin had 10. Meyer, by the way, also had seven boards and four assists in this game to lead the Jackrabbits in all of those categories. And Creighton's bench outscored South Dakota State's 32-12. to So Jim Flannery and company, they got the right contributions that they need. They get back to 500. However, this team is 2-0 at home and 0-2 on the road. They're going to have to learn to win on the road if they want to be a contender in the conference, if they want to be top five. Because I think the top five, other I mean, UConn, we all know is number one. I still think DePaul's the second best team in the conference. Three through seven, maybe? I think is anybody's game. Because I think we know who between 8 and 11, I think we know who those teams are. Which is Providence, Georgetown, 
I'd probably put Georgetown at eight right now. And then Providence, Xavier, and Butler. But Creighton, they got a lot of time left, and they can definitely prove themselves over the next few games. You know, they get Northern Iowa. They play Arizona State at home later in non-con. They go to Arkansas later in non-conference as well. But for the Blue Jays, gotta like the win. As for Villanova, again, they're still without Maddie Segrist. And they've won twice without her. And, I mean, gonna sound like a broken record, but guess who led the way? Lior Garzon. 21 points, 7 of 18 from the field, 4 of 10 from 3. Villanova really I never really thought of them as a team that really liked taking a ton of threes. They chucked up 28 in this game and made 13 of them. Whereas Penn, they only took 9, but they made 4. Villanova shot just 40% from the field. Penn, 50%. But, you know, Villanova, they did enough to win the game. They were more aggressive. And the funny thing is, you know... They got out-rebounded. They took fewer free throws. But Villanova just found a way to win because they were able to get... Again, the three-point shooting won this game for the Wildcats. And got to like that production if you're head coach Denise Dillon. But how about 20 from Lucy Olsen? First three games, she scored 17 points. Explodes for 20 in the palestra against Penn. 4 for 5 from 3, 8 of 14 from the field. Brooke Mullen, another player who had been quiet through the first three games. She only scored 11 points in the first three games. She scored 11 in this one. 3 for 5 from 3, and 4 for 8 from the field. 4 boards, 4 assists. Bella Runyon dished out 5 assists, and Garzone had 4 assists. Brianna Hurley, another Good game for her. Didn't really shoot the ball well, but she did go two for four from three. Nine points, nine rebounds, and did bow foul trouble. And it's it's good that Villanova was able to withstand 24 points from Jordan Obi, who played all 40 minutes. Went nine for 14 from the field, three for five from three. Mandy McGurk scored 12 for the Quakers. They got seven and the only other three-pointer that they made from Stina Omquist. And they also got 10 off the bench from Lizzie Groich. So Villanova, another big five win, and that gets them back over back to 500 after that 0-2 start losing to Princeton and Maryland. And they do it against two inner-city rivals. But obviously the biggest story of the weekend, UConn in the first annual women's battle for Atlantis, and in not a surprising way, they beat Minnesota in the opener, 88-58. to And the funny thing is, you know, UConn was only up 12 at the break. I mean, Minnesota was still within striking distance. It was 47-35. But UConn outscores Minnesota 25-8 to in the third to really run away with this thing. And Kristen Williams, to her credit, had a monster game. 31 points, 3-for-4 four from distance, 12-for-14 from the floor. So, and also worth noting, Avina Westbrook, 16 points, 3 of 5 from 3, and 4 for 7 from the floor. And UConn shot really well from the field, 62%. And they also had rebound in Minnesota, 34 to 19. Minnesota kept themselves in it for a while with the three-point shot. They made 11 of them on 24 attempts. UConn was 8 for 20. And UConn was able to win this game big without Paige Beckers being a factor against the school, the, the, her state school, if you will. Because we all know Paige Beckers is from Minnesota. And I mean, she was well-balanced in this game. Eight points, eight assists, and six rebounds. And they really didn't get a lot from, you know, Aaliyah Edwards only had eight points. You only got six from Olivia Nelson Adota, but she had eight boards and six assists. And UConn got assists on 24 of their 33 made field goals. And they also got pretty good contributions from their bench. 
Dorka Juhash, the Hungry native who transferred from Ohio State, she had six off the bench. Ozzy Fudd, highly touted freshman, scored five points. And by the way, Dorka Juhaj, I believe, like if I'm not mistaken, I think she had a dunk in this game. So, anyways, Fudd had five. Caroline Ducharmi had five. Uh, four, excuse me. And then they got four from Nika Mool. As for Minnesota, their leading scorer was Sarah Scalia with 17. They got 13 off the bench from, huh, a funny, fa- uh, familiar face. Former Seton Hall swing, uh, former Seton Hall swing, I would say, I can't be swing man because obviously it's women's basketball, but former Seton Hall winger Deja Winters. Again, she started her career at Seton Hall, went to North Carolina A&T, helped lead them to an NCAA tournament, went to Minnesota. She scored 13 off the bench. It was 4 for 7 from 3. Good to see her three-point shooting never changed one bit. Because even at Seton Hall, she was a sniper. Really, really good. Scary good at times. And then they got 10 from Kadiatu Sissoko, who had 10. In the semifinals, they faced a familiar foe and former AAC and old Big East rival South Florida. UConn got out to a nine-point lead at the break, you know, 34-25, all right? Looks like UConn's going to cruise from there. South Florida said, we ain't having none of that. And tied it at 45 going into the fourth, but UConn, with some strong defense, they hold off the Bulls 60-53. to And Paige Beckers came through when she needed to most. 8 for 16 from the field. 3 for 10 for 3 is not great. But she did dish out 7 assists. You know, Kristen Williams had 10 points. So a pretty big drop off from the day before. But, you know, Paige Beckers was overall the best player for UConn. She led the team in scoring. But if there was an MVP in terms of this player provided the most value to UConn in, in this win. It was the freshman, Ozzy Fudd. She scored 18 points off the bench, all from behind the arc, and she made 6 of 9 from 3 and 6 of 10 from the floor. She doesn't make those contributions and you know folds in usual freshman fashion. UConn gets knocked out. Well, they get bumped to the third place game where they would have had to play Oregon. But the Huskies eke it out with FUD playing a big role. Meanwhile, for the Bulls, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. The Bulls, who are 23rd in the country, put up a very good fight in this game. And they were led by Alina Saniki with 17. They also got 15 from Bethy Manunga. They also got eight from Elisa Pinzon. And then four points and eight boards from Shea Leverett. Oh, it's six points from Sidney Harvey, but they didn't get much from the bench, just three total points from the bench. Whereas UConn, they got 20 if we if you add on the additional two from Dorka Juhash. So that sets up the championship game. With UConn. Number two in the country facing top-ranked South Carolina. These two teams meet later in the year in January in Columbia. And UConn, they had a good start to the game up 20-14 to after one. And they were up three at the break at 36-33. But South Carolina surged back to take a three-point lead at the end of three. And then I really don't want to say UConn folded in the fourth. But... It's kind of hard not to when you see that they only scored three points. Three in the fourth quarter. That's it. Three points. And that again, that's UConn. I don't even care if it's against the number one team in the country in South Carolina. That's still UConn scoring three points in the fourth quarter against South Carolina. 
and they lose 73-57. You know, could this be the sign of things to come when they meet again in Columbia? I don't know. But for the Huskies, Paige Becker scored 19 to go with 5 boards and 7 assists. Avina Westbrook had 14. Kristen Williams with 10. And major difference maker, UConn only got 2 combined points for the bench, and that was from Juhosh. And they only got 6 each from Edwards and Nelson Adota. And... If anyone dominated for South Carolina, it was clearly Aaliyah Boston. 22 points, 15 rebounds, 10 for 19 from the floor. Even knocked down a 3-2. And then you got 17 from Zaya Cook, 15 from Destiny Henderson. And you want to talk about difference makers? UConn turned it over 19 times. And they also got a rebound at 42-25. They were making careless mistakes, especially in the second half. And they were also getting dominated on the boards. And as expected, Gino Ariyama wasn't that happy. And um, again, this is SNY UConn on Twitter that, um, that who you know got this video from the press conference where Gino said, "I've got guys that could barely play a lick, and they're stubborn as well." Poo. And Russ Steinberg, by the way, one of the best beat guys, beat reporters I've seen. Um, for any, and you know, he, who, and he covers this for boardroom, by the way, it was created by Kevin Durant. So he, he put this perfectly. This is what people have a problem with. Grow up. Team will be fine. Players will survive being called stubborn. I mean, yeah, I mean, some people think that stubbornness is a a, a good trait to have. Most cases, it, in some cases it is. It's, it's like a coin, you know, there's a good side and a bad side to it. But if they're stubborn, you know, if they're stubborn on maybe, I'm not really sure what they're being stubborn on, but... It means that they have a lot of pride and now you just got to channel that pride to and trying to channel that in a more positive way, I guess. But that loss dropped UConn to number three only as Maryland moved up into the number two spot. Meanwhile, DePaul's getting a little more strong consideration for the top 25. And they have chances to prove themselves this week. Which I'm going to get to in just a second. Let me just talk about today's games. Um, while, in, while, while I'm currently recording this, Butler is facing SAU Edwardsville at home. I really, I really got to believe, like, Butler's got to have this game. Like, I mean, you can't start 0-5 with all five of your losses coming at home. You got to get one under your belt before you head on, on the road for your first road game of the year at IUPUI on Sunday. I I, I know SIU Edwardsville. I know they have a good win at Illinois. But I, I'm trusting Butler to win. Meanwhile, Providence is hosting UMass and the... And UMass is undefeated right now. They're 4-0 with wins against Central Connecticut, Harvard, Iona, and Holy Cross. Providence still hasn't won at home yet. And, I mean, based on the trends, I'm going to have to roll with UMass in this game. 
Meanwhile, on Wednesday, I'm I'm going to go with Georgetown beating Loyola, Maryland. So far, the Greyhounds, they've lost at Niagara. They lost at home to George Mason. They followed it up with wins against FDU in overtime and UMBC, and then lost a tough one at Hofstra on Saturday. But I'm expecting the Hoyas to bounce back with a good win here against Loyola, Maryland before... Uh, you know, before the Thanksgiving break. And then, you know, they'll play Temple coming off the break. But, yeah, I'm going I'm going with the Hoyas to beat Loyola, Maryland. And then with Xavier going to Wright State, a local rival, Wright State is winless at 0-4. They've lost to Bradley, Toledo, Milwaukee, and Green Bay. And if I'm not mistaken, those are two of those were I were Horizon League games. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are they already played two conference games already and they lost both of them. But Xavier, now that they got this win under their belt on Sunday against Valpo, I think they're going to be a lot more confident coming into this road game and I think they will go into Dayton and take down Wright State. Meanwhile, the Cancun challenge for Seton Hall saw a bit of a curveball. They were supposed to face a top 10 Iowa team led by Caitlin Clark, but unfortunately, Iowa got problems with COVID. So their replacement opponent is USC, a program that has some history. Granted, that history was quite a long time ago. And when I talk about that history, you know, some of the, I mean, they produced some legends, which were Cheryl Miller and Lisa Leslie. Two of the greatest women's basketball players ever to play the game. USC started 3-0. They beat Hawaii by 40. Then they won at UVA. They beat Western Michigan at home before losing on Saturday in their most recent game to Missouri State, one of the better mid-major teams in the country. So now, the Pirates are going to face face this Trojans team. So, who are the players to watch? I mean, they don't really have a lot of players that, I mean, they're well-rounded, but they don't have any one player like a Lauren Park Lane or an Andre Espinosa Hunter that can go off for 20-plus consistently. So, based on instinct, I'm going to pick Seton Hall to beat USC in this game. And then they'll play Friday in that Cancun challenge against the Toledo Rockets. Toledo's 2 and 1, they've beaten Oakland and the aforementioned Wright State before losing at Dayton. Toledo's good, but I'm expecting Seton Hall, I mean, I thought for sure, I mean, if they played Iowa, they would lose that game and then bounce back, but in this scenario, I really think they're going to go 2 and 0 in Cancun. So give me the Pirates beating USC and Toledo. In the Women's Paradise Jam, DePaul's got three pretty crucial games. The goal, win two, which I think they will. Thanksgiving, they play Rutgers, who has seen their fair share of struggles. They're 4-1, but they beat St. Peter's by 21. They beat South Alabama by 19. Okay. But then they barely got by Fairfield. They lost to Stony Brook, and then they barely got by Harvard in overtime. You could probably attribute that to, you know, losing a legend like C. Vivian Stringer on the sidelines. And I, I DePaul's the better team, period. So DePaul will beat Rutgers Thanksgiving Day. Black Friday, they take on the reigning national runner-ups, Arizona, who is 4-0 and ranked 9th in the country. And that includes a win against Louisville. 
and they've crushed their other opponents, which are Cal State Northridge, Texas Southern, and Marist. I think DePaul will put up a fight, but I think Arizona will prove to be just too good. And they will win this game. And the funny thing is, Arizona was preseason number 22. They've risen up to top 10 now. And they still have a lot of the players that led them to the title game last year. Ariah Copeland. Trying to like really hunker down. and I mean, yeah, I know they lost. You know, I know they lost their 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 engine, Ari McDonald, but I mean Ari Copeland's still a beast. And I think she's gonna cause a lot of problems down low. And and they also got Kate Reese, who's a senior now, who averaged she's averaged double digits every year so far at U of A. So I'm I got Arizona beating DePaul, but DePaul will bounce back in the final game of their three-game slate in the Virgin Islands on Saturday against Vanderbilt, who's 3-2. and two. They have wins against Gardner-Webb and Tennessee Tech, as well as Jacksonville State, but they've lost to Little Rock and Middle Tennessee. Should be easy pickings for the Blue Demons. I got them going 2-1. and one. Now, there's a couple other tournaments going on starting Friday, you got the Daytona Beach Invitational. Gee, I wonder where that would be. <laughs> I'm such a smartass sometimes. and it's <laughs> For those of you who tolerated me this whole time, thank you. I just want to make that clear. This is a good field that features... You know, some of the better teams... In college basketball. And that includes Notre Dame, who's been a perennial powerhouse over the last decade plus. You know, Skyler Diggins, Ogumba Wale. I mean, they produced a lot of great players in the last 10 plus years. Credit to Muffin McGraw. But anyways... Marquette opens up against Middle Tennessee State, who is 4-0, including wins against Vandy, as I mentioned, in VCU. I think Marquette's the better team, though. I mean, this is young, they're a young team, but they are damn talented. But I think Marquette might have too much experience. I think they will beat Middle Tennessee in their first game there. St. John's opens up their their tournament, which is the Gulf Coast Showcase, against Penn State. Penn State? Pretty good so far this year. They're 3-1. So Penn State, their only loss so far this year was at Clemson by three. They have wins over LIU, Ryder, and Delaware State. In St. John's, I mean, they're three and one too. I mean, they got they got a lot of talent on their squad as well. And bingo. All right, so here's the bracket. St. John's opens with Penn State. You know, based on what I've seen, I'm probably going to pick Penn State to beat St. John's. And so they'll go to the consolation bracket. I think they'll, they'll get Charlotte most likely and beat them. And then in a fifth place game, This is going to be a tricky one. My guess is going to be either South Dakota State or Kent State. So, 
I mean, who is the better of of the two? Eek. I'm going to guess it's going to be Kent State. So they'll draw Kent State in the fifth place game, which they should win. So I think overall, the goal, if you're St. John's, go two and one. Go into Florida, go two and one, and you're good. Now, other, I guess, insignificant non-conference action, if you will. Xavier's taking on Eastern Kentucky on the road. The Colonels are two and two. Wins against Transylvania and Union of Kentucky, Union College of Kentucky. I think Xavier goes in and wins that game. I mean, Eastern Kentucky, they haven't beaten anyone at home that's D1. So, give me the Musketeers winning that game. Temple, Villanova, I'm going to go with Villanova. I think they're really starting to figure it out. I mean, I'm sh- I mean, I don't want to say like I'm shocked by how well they've done with that Matty Segrist, but you got to you got to adapt, surviving, you know, survival the fittest. And I think Villanova will have enough to beat Temple to get over 500. Now, Creighton hosting Northern Iowa, that's going to be a toughie. Northern Iowa's only loss has come against Iowa. They won at St. Louis. They beat North Dakota State. They beat Wichita State with ease. Some's telling me, though, Creighton's going to protect their home court. I mean, this is an old Missouri Valley rival. One that Creighton fans aren't really that fond of, if you will. If you're a Creighton fan and that's not really all that true, you can feel free to tell me on social media. Because I still want to, I mean, from the outside looking in, look like you and I and Creighton were pretty fierce foes. Not as fierce as Creighton-Wichita State, but Northern Iowa was right up there. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the Jays winning at home. I think they played really well so far this year at DJ Sokol Arena. Meanwhile, Providence hosting Monmouth. Monmouth, they lost their opener at Syracuse, but have responded nicely with wins against Navy and St. Joe's. I think if there's any game for Providence to bounce back in, it's this one. So I think Providence will beat Monmouth at home on Sunday. And then finally, Butler is at IUPUI. I mean, if Butler's already 0-5, then... I mean, if they if they are 0-5, then that will put them in big, big trouble. I mean, even if they do win their win this home game, I just don't think Butler goes into IUPUI and wins. They're just too young. It's going to take them some time. And you know what? That's okay. Just don't get too down on it. Just, just play, develop. And just build off of what you can get. No matter what result you get, win or loss, find some positives in there. Because if you're dwelling on the negatives, you can correct them, obviously. But if you're thinking about them too much, it's not going to do you any good. Again, that's just my two cents. And and again, kind of like the men's episode, you know, like I had a lot to cover, but... Managed to get through it all. Feast Week's a great time. It really is. Because, you know, you have all these showcases, all these tournaments. And it, it's going to be good. It, all of them are going to be good. For the Paradise Jam, the Battle for Atlantis delivered. Although, more of those games should have been on TV. I will say that. The only games that were televised were the championship game on ESPN and the third place game is on ESPNU on Monday. Little disappointing. And, you know, like I said on Twitter, you might have you might have seen it, but, you know, all the other games are exclusively being streamed on Flow Sports, and that's a subscription-based service. I think it was like 30 bucks a month. Well, for a big tournament like this, making people pay to watch that and get a subscription, kind of counterproductive for growing the game, right? Because 
You want to make it accessible for people to watch, you know? And if you're putting it behind, not, I mean, putting it behind a paywall for a subscription is one thing, but when it's 30 bucks, that thing's the Great Wall of China. So, I know there's a better way to do it. This ain't the way. I promise you that. The women's game deserves to grow. But it can't grow when it's being held back in ways like that. So, that that's how I'll wrap up this episode of the Igloo. Thank you for tuning in. You know, enjoy all this Feast Week basketball. Enjoy the time with your friends and family. I really hope that you are going to be spending time with your friends and family because this is a great time to do it, obviously, for the holiday being for one thing, but, you know, just, you know, whatever time you get with them, cherish it, period. I mean, because last year, around this time last year, we didn't really get too much of this because of COVID and how limited it all was, but now that things are way more quote-unquote normal compared to where they were last year, don't miss out on opportunities to see those loved ones. Highly suggest taking that opportunity to do it. If you don't, that's okay. But again, I highly encourage you to really, you know, use that time. Enjoy it with your loved ones. And 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 the only reason why I say this is because hey, I'll be I'll be on the other side of this on Monday with new content on the Igloo. So until next time, this is Timmy I signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and I will catch you next time next week.